0: get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. What's going on, traders? Welcome and welcome to the SPACs attack, baby. Let's get it started. What's going on, traders out there? I hope you guys are enjoying the day as I am like always. If you guys like the SPACs, definitely give me a thumbs up. Let's go ahead and bring the brain to this show. You guys know him as Chris Catchy, but if you don't know him as Chris Opedia, you need to take lessons and take some learning because my man, Chris Catchy in the house. What's up, dude? Hey, what's going on, Mitch? How are we doing today? It's going good, going good. Ready for another interview today. Looks like I didn't get my right coloring in the back. I got to fix that up, Let's Let's, let's be more like, you got to look like Chris, man. Come on.
1: Got to match the dynamic duo here.
0: Right? I, I think I, I forgot a lie. That's what happened there. But let's keep it going. Don't worry about it. We don't got to stop. We're going to keep going. If you guys like the specs, what's going on out there? Hey, hit me up. Hit me up in the chat. I love I love to see everybody in the chat talking amongst yourselves. Talk about the specs that you guys are looking at. Let me know what you guys are are checking out. We're going to go ahead and get into our headlines of the day. Then we'll be getting into our interview. You guys already see it over my corner. The specs attack. Wrong corner. (laughs) All right, let's go ahead. Let's get into the headlines and let's go ahead. Chris, what's going on out there? Let me know. Take us back.
1: All right. Yeah. Before we dive into that interview today, we do have some headlines. We do have a rumor and a deal to get into. And then, of course, we also have a short report to discuss, once again, targeting a former SPAC out there. So up first, we have VACQ. A company is merging with Rocket Lab. So Rocket Lab winning a NASA award contract for a mission to Mars in 2024. This is the Escapade mission with a goal to send a spacecraft into orbit to study the makeup of the planet's magnetosphere to better understand how solar wind removes atmosphere over time. Uh, No dollar amounts on this, no cost revealed. Um, But this is an interesting one. And, you know, as I've said before, Rocket Lab has already won awards um, to go to the moon and to go to Venus. So now adding Mars and then the company also noting that NASA will later pick a rocket to launch Escapade and that the company is hoping to have its neutron rocket ready in time to compete for that additional contract as well. So Rocket Lab winning one award here, uh, but also could end up winning more for this mission To Mars. So again, Rocket Lab missions to the moon, missions to Venus, and now missions to Mars. Um, If you're looking at space stocks, this is definitely one that should be on your radar VACQ. Then we have FOA, uh, Finance of America moving today. Raymond James upgrading shares to a strong buy and announcing a price target of $13.50. Um, looks like shares at about eight forty-five right now, up sixteen percent. This is one we've talked about a lot. We of course had Patty Cook on the show a couple times. Um, Finance of America competing in the mortgage market and also several other areas. Um, getting a strong buy here. We haven't seen a ton of you know strong buys uh, from these former SPACs. It's mostly you know outperform buys. Or the negative uh, reports, but a, a strong buy indicated here, um, looking like there could be room for upside and it looks like investors reacting to that target from Raymond James. And one of our favorite specs to talk about, of course, we have PSTH Pershing Square. So recently it was announced, Bill Ackman SPAC uh, looking to acquire 10% of Universal Music Group from Vivendi. Uh, A couple interesting things I called out on the show not too long ago that Artisan opposed the plan to sell the stake to the Ackman SPAC and also saying a full spinoff of UMG would be more tax efficient. Um, There is a vote coming up one week from today, June 22nd, to determine if Pershing Square will get that 10%. And now Bloomberg noting yesterday that uh, hedge fund activist Dan Loeb has built a stake in Vivendi. Um, It is not clear how much he owns, but the stake was called substantial. And also Dan Loeb has yet to voice an opinion on whether he supports the UMG transaction. So we could see a a activist uh, battle going on here, and this could actually be a roadblock to Ackman getting that 10% stake. So keep an eye out on this one. Uh, we're a week away, and I think we start to hear more news coming out soon on Dan Loeb's plans for Vivendi um, ahead of that shareholder vote. But, you know, Ackman is not out of the woods yet to, to land this deal. Then we have ALUS setting a vote date of June 30th on Friar. Uh, that's a battery play. And then some movers yesterday, SVOK up 1% on that deal was boxed. GSAH down 2% on a rumor, which I'll get to in a minute, and NGCA shares up 6% on that rumor with Virgin Orbit. Uh, AACQ, which is merging with Origin Materials, also signing a deal with Palantir Technologies today to form an alliance to accelerate the world's transition to net zero carbon. Um, AACQ within the last week then landing deals with both Ford And Palantir. So, uh, if this one was not on your radar before, I think it should be, as they are partnering with some of the large companies out there. um, Their plans for you know that net zero carbon initiatives going forward. And our big rumor last night, we had just G S A H. That's Goldman Sachs Acquisition Holdings Corp. Two. Um, announcing, or Bloomberg reporting that they could reach an agreement to acquire Mirion Technologies. Deal could value the company at $2.5 billion. Uh, if you're not familiar with Mirion Technologies, which I was not until yesterday, the company provides devices and services for customers who work with nuclear energy, monitoring and measuring radiation and contamination, providing alarms and managing waste, according to the company's website. Uh, sectors include nuclear power, healthcare, homeland security, and the military. Um, uh, the company that owns Mirion tried to sell the company earlier this year, attracted interest from several SPACs and buyout funds. Um, it looks like Goldman Sachs, though, is in the lead here um, to possibly acquire Mirion. Uh, as, as I said, shares sold off quite a bit yesterday. This one was not well-received. Um, we're down one percent today to 9.99. Um, keep an eye out on this one. And then our deal announced today. This one was rumored just a couple days ago. We have DCRC. This is a solid-state battery company with the backing of Ford and BMW, announcing a SPAC merger. Uh, this is a company working on solid-state batteries. Uh, deal values the company at 1.2 billion dollars. Um, So they have been working on battery development for over eight years and manufacturing capabilities for three years. Current DCRC shareholders will own 19% of the company after the merger. Those solid state batteries are said to have a range of up to 500 miles and provide cheaper costs to automotive companies and also last more than double the current eight year life for batteries, according to their presentation. Um, and looking to hit that addressable market size of $220 billion by 2035 for electric vehicles. Ford and BMW already have an existing joint development agreement to use solid power batteries in future electric vehicles. Uh, They're going to sell two products, one product that will be sold to companies pursuing solid state batteries, and another product uh, that energy dense pouch cells that will be sold directly to Ford, BMW, and other OEMs. Uh, notable that Samsung and Hyundai are also investors in solid power. Revenue projections uh, uh, under $100 million annually uh, until fiscal 2026, where they see revenue of $132 million and then really beefing up in 2027 with $1.0 billion projected. Uh, Despite the lower revenue amounts, they actually list hitting a gross profit of $7 million on $10 million in revenue in fiscal 2024. Um, And this is being done at a cheaper valuation than QuantumScape uh, Corp uh, based on 2027 revenue projections. Shares of DCRC down 8% today. Remember, this one has been running the past couple days. So now getting that deal announcement and the sell-off. And then the last thing to cover in headlines, uh, if you were not aware, we have a short report out from Hindenburg Research on DraftKings. Um, the report calls a DraftKings a, a 21 billion dollar SPAC, betting it can hide its black market operations. Uh, the research report specifically targets SB Tech, which is the company that went public with DraftKings as part of that three-way merger. Um, You know, saying there's lots of red flags. SB Tech is involved in all kinds of illegal operations, uh, you know, including being tied to the black market, money laundering and organized crime. At the time of the SPAC merger, SB Tech represented 25 percent of the company's revenue, Uh, you know, so also not lost in the report. Uh, Hindenburg does state that DraftKings has major partnerships with the NFL, NBA, NASCAR, PGA, and UFC. It does question valuation a little bit um, on DraftKings, but again, most of this report just centers around the SB Tech unit. Um, And uh, Hindenburg is short shares of DraftKings, so definitely keep an eye on that. And I should note that Hindenburg has targeted several SPAC mergers recently, Lordstown Motors Clover Health, Nicola, and Peer Cycle Technologies, uh, of course, several of those reports have turned out to be ahead of the game before these shares fell. Benzinger reached out to DraftKings today, did not receive comment back. Shares were down to $45 earlier. They are rebounding today. Um, you know, I will note that I have talked about DraftKings before. Uh, they are switching to SB Tech to power their back end later this fall. But currently, they don't use SB Tech, they use a uh, rival Camby. Um, so DraftKings actually has an opportunity here. Maybe they want to, uh, you know, cut ties with SB Tech, spin this business off, or they feel comfortable, um, you know, keeping the business and switching. So, what do you think, Mitch? Uh, you know, sports betting, we talk so much here. DraftKings, one of the best performing uh, d uh, getting hit on this short report, but. I don't think it should come as a huge surprise here that uh, maybe there is some sports betting uh, ties to uh, organized crime. I think uh, we've seen Las Vegas and organized crime over the decades uh, be pretty closely related here.
0: Hold on, hold on. I'm on the phone with my bookie. Give me a second. Give me a second, Chris.
1: Are, are you calling your bookie on – an is he on, like, the Cayman Islands or uh, one of those international territories or –
0: you, you you just might find him in the Cayman Islands, but hey, what can I say, man? I mean, sports betting has been around for, uh, let's just say, not only in legal terms. Uh, it's been around for a long time. You have seen it, this. I mean, if you if you haven't heard of, of kind of mob ties with gambling and sports gambling, I mean, you probably never really looked into some conspiracies. I mean, this has been around for the ages, you know, people have been betting on sports, let's say before they were legal. So um, I definitely don't think they put light on anything that wasn't already. If you're into the industry, you know about it. So um, I think this is obvious. One of the things that you mentioned that I definitely think is going to happen. And I talked with you a little bit before when we started SPACs is that I, I really do think at the end of the day, all you got to do as a board here is just cut the risk, cut the risk. Because essentially, if you look at at the report, you're not going to see too much on exactly DKNG. You're not seeing it on DraftKings. You're seeing it focused on another company, right? And so, if this company has some ties that hey, they can look into and see, hey, maybe we we might just want to cut this, look for another provider or something like that, and we can just go ahead and move forward. I think that's my what you probably see come out of this.
1: Yeah, you know, definitely. And uh, are you surprised, Mitch, to see shares uh, rebound that quickly? Um, You know, we were down double digits and it looks like we're only down a couple percent now. I have heard that several analysts who uh, cover DraftKings are already out defending the name. I haven't seen any of those actual reports, but that's the rumors out. But do you think we get some analyst comments, um, you know, tomorrow with some reports or some, uh, you know, color on uh, what they think of DraftKings and SB Tech here?
0: Yeah, well, you can tell here how DraftKings kind of reacted. You can tell definitely a big gap down. A lot of people were talking about if it gets down to 40, I wanted it. But it looks like 45 was that number right out the gates. It popped up through that number, really pushed on to up, now getting up there towards 49 multiple times and finding some resistance. So definitely look at that towards the day. Let's see if we get through that 49 resistance. If not, just pull back down closer towards 47. We We can test back. Um, now, one that I wanted to pay attention to is not necessarily just look at that. See how it affected the whole industry. Did it really destroy kind of the moves that were are getting already kind of looked at? Penn was one that was being looked at. As you saw, it was coming down to pre-market, popped up right at the gates, now pulled back. Let's see if this can continue its way up. I would love to see if Penn or RSI – or one of these can actually end the day green. That would be interesting because that would show that maybe there's some uh, more positive sentiment in the overall industry, even though, the negative report came out on DraftKings. You could see the overall sentiment really get positive. I was looking already for these gambling stocks to make moves. As you seen today, RSI has pulled back down closer towards that $13. We'll see if it can get back above 14 I think that's a very important price point. And for that being said, let's go into a couple more here. GNOG. I wanted to take a look at to see how that was reacting today. As you can see, it's on the pullback, coming back down towards that 13. We're going to look to see if these kind of react back up. But definitely, I I mean, at the end of the day, I think uh, the DraftKings report didn't really necessarily say anything that if you didn't look into the industry before, you probably had doubts on.
1: Yeah, and bets down uh, 2% today, too. It looks like, you know, DraftKings, obviously, a large holding in the Roundhill sports betting ETF. But, yeah, I mean, I I don't think there was anything huge in this report. And and it looks like uh, DraftKings has already issued a statement that they were comfortable um, with their findings in SB Tech. Um, You you know, we've seen this with, with other former SPACs, right? They get hit by these short reports. You know, with questions on valuation, questions on how they handle orders, and let's face it, some of them may end up being right. I mean, we're we're seeing Lordstown Motors. You know, that was attacked by short reports where maybe there was you know something there that these short reports were seeing. But with DraftKings, I mean, I think it would take a lot to to bring this company down. I mean, it it is one of the most well-known names in sports betting. And again, this whole short report. It's not questioning the sports betting side or how they acquire customers or their relationships with the NFL or any of those partners. It's just strictly the SB Tech, which is their, you know, their tech stack powering things behind the scene, maybe also powering payments in some other areas. So, uh, you know, I, I remain bullish on DraftKings, and like I said, I was watching that forty-five dollar mark, but I don't know if we're going to see that again today. Um, you know, shares down four percent. Um, we've got some hours before market close. I don't know if DraftKings ends the day green, but I think you're right, Mitch, that some of those other, um, you know, sports betting names, uh, get back into the green after falling uh,
0: in sympathy here. Giving you some news here, my friend, giving you some news here. Um, so definitely Credit Suisse is also calling this overdone. You said that you started mentioning it. Um, one of the things that the firm says is that it says minimal value in DKNG stock is being applied to. SB Tech, which is mainly purchased for its tech platform and non-existing revenue stream, guys. That's right there where where you kind of pointed it out. Yes, yes, it could be in question, but at the end of the day, that's not where they're drawing their revenue. That's not where they're drawing their value right now. Um, It also states here that if you look, SB Tech generated about 105 million in 2020, which is only, even if you five times that revenue, would be equal to a a dollar per share in DKNG. So definitely, uh, some, some defense coming out there. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Let's go ahead and let's get into our interview guys. This is where we go ahead and unlock some specs. I know that you guys out there are probably wondering how do how do I look at specs and maybe get into a, a more diversified account? You know, maybe I don't want to be that type of person that wants to pick winners and losers. I think we got the perfect interview for you guys coming up. Definitely stick around guys, hit the thumbs up and let's go ahead and unlock some specs. Yeah,
1: everyone. Super excited. Uh, we welcome back to the show Matthew Tuttle. He's the CEO and Chief Investment Officer of Tuttle Tactical Management. The company has launched uh, three SPAC ETFs. We have SPCX and two new DSPAC ETFs, DSPC and SOGU, which we're going to dive into today. Welcome back to the show,
0: Matt Tuttle.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Welcome to the show. Let's go ahead and let's drop right into the questions. As you guys see, I got the tickets above me. I'm going to also drop the tickets in the below if you guys want to check it out. Also, I'm going to be putting in the chat, I'll be putting up links. So if you guys want to check out maybe Holdings while we're talking about it, check out the the website while we're getting through it. Definitely, I'll go ahead and put that in the chat.
1: All right, perfect. So Matt, let's dive in here. You know, uh, Before we get into those two new d ETFs, uh, for anyone who may be, uh, you know, new to your work or didn't catch the last interview you did, uh, give our viewers a little background uh, on yourself in the industry.
2: Sure. So, you know, we run Tuttle Capital Management. We've got 10 ETFs and manage close to $300 million. Uh, we just launched four ETFs the past couple of weeks, the two you mentioned, Plus FOMO, which is somewhat self-explanatory, and Fat T, which is our tail risk ETF. So that's uh, that's kind of it in a nutshell.
1: Perfect. So we launched, you know, these two new D-Spac ETFs. One covering, uh, you know, the buy side. One covering the the short side here. Uh, why launch DSpac ETFs, and were you surprised that there was not a uh, peer-play DSpac ETFs prior to the launch from uh, yourself?
2: Yeah, I mean, we were really surprised. There's no shortage of ETFs in the world, so you know the fact that SPACs have been so popular, so much in the news for the past year and a half, it just it seemed like you know the market should have a DSpac ETF. So there wasn't one, so we launched it.
1: Awesome. Well, uh, you know, so the one ETF here, so SOGU, you know, allows investors to play the short side of these former uh, SPACs, the companies that have de-SPACed. What does the demand look like for uh, shorting uh, former SPACs? You know, we've heard a lot about short reports, short squeezes. Uh, shorting stocks over the last couple months. Uh, what's the thesis behind that ETF, and what has the demand for uh, SOGU looked
2: like? So, one of the main reasons that we did this and we launched the DSpac index is because of the demand for the short side. I mean, I just I took a quick look in Bloomberg this morning. The index is 25 names, and they're 25 of the largest DSpac companies with a year look back and 19 of the 25 have short interest above 10%. But this stuff is really, really hard to short. You know, they're hard to borrow names, they're names that get squeezed. I mean, imagine being short Clover, you know, the other day when what was up like 92% or something like that. So, you know, we had a lot of institutional investors we were talking to about SPCX who basically said, look, if you guys can come out with a way that we can short these D-SPACs in a nice package, that would be a home run. So that's the idea behind Sogu is there's just no real good way for the individual investor, the institutional investor to short these names. So we put it together in one package.
1: Perfect. So you mentioned you know, that uh, each of these ETFs, the index, it is made up of 25 of the largest former SPACs. Um, and then the index is rebalanced monthly and includes companies up to 12 months after the merger completion. Walk us through the decisions you know, to do monthly rebalancing and that 12 month uh, look at these companies.
2: So really most index funds out there get stale pretty quickly. So the monthly rebalancing was to keep the index fresh and the year is, is basically the same deal. Like DraftKings, I don't know whether Hindenburg's right or wrong. What I do know is DraftKings is not a SPAC. And DraftKings dropped out of the d index a couple of months ago because I would argue also, I mean, it's been so long since DraftKings came public, it's not even a D-SPAC. And so that was the idea with the one-year look back is keeping the, you know, fresh d What we also wanted to do, you know, on the long side, part of the investment thesis here is to give people access to companies that they're not getting access to in other actively managed or index funds. So we wanted companies that were pretty new. You know, I got to figure and I haven't looked at it, but I got to figure DraftKings is all over the place at this point you know, in all sorts of different ETFs and mutual funds. But if you look at the 25 holdings in the D-SPAC index, you're not getting exposure to them anywhere. You know, I mean, when Clover had that massive upturn uh, last week, I took a look and, you know, there were like four funds that own Clover and, and we were, you know, obviously the largest holder by far. I think two of them had minimal holdings and, you know, one was a half a percent. And we were like six or 7% at that point.
1: So this index selects, you know, the, the 25 companies and it's not necessarily the largest uh right. 25. You had told me before, you know, it, it's based on uh the availability to short and some other factors. So what are the biggest decisions um uh, to pick these 25? You know, does any fundamental thinking, uh, you know, or the long-term growth prospects go into it? Or is it, you know, really based on size and availability of shares?
2: So, I mean, size, availability of shares is big because, you know, one of the things with Sogu is, I mean, if there are three names in there that we just can't borrow at all, then we can't get swap exposure and, you know, we're not going to be able to, you know, provide what we want. You know, we want a fairly diversified set of holdings. We want holdings that aren't typically represented other places. So those are the things that, that we look at there. You know, we're not, you know, pouring through balance sheets or anything like that fundamentally. So one of the
1: holdings um, in the d ETF is Ride, uh, Lordstown Motors, which, you know, has yeah. been in the news uh, a lot. Nice ride. <laughs> yeah, so you know, we see the the short reports. We hear you know the CEO, the CFO resigning. You know, because of the the ETF having the the, sh- the long and the short side of things. You know, is, is there a decision then to uh, keep a company in there rather than you know an ETF that may you know decide to cut ties with the company due to all the negativity? You know, is there any? decision-making with Ride going forward, or will it strictly be based on that one-year timeline?
2: So, I mean, a couple of things. We we just, on Friday, completed our our rebalance for the month, and Ride stayed in there. You know, so really everything stayed in there. The only thing we did was we went back to equal weight. Uh, You know, the only things that would kick it out next month would be market cap. I mean, obviously, if Ride goes from where it is now to you know, a dollar a share, it won't be anywhere near one of the largest, you know, d spac companies out there. Also, if it becomes impossible to borrow, that may kick it out. But, you know, certainly, you know, barring those two things, that's the type of name we really like in this index, because it's a name that's going to move. And, you know, it doesn't really matter to us which way it moves, you know, one way or the other. We've got an ETF that's going to take advantage of it, but we certainly like names in this index that are going to move. In this index, it definitely moves.
1: You know, we we talked uh, DraftKings, the Hindenburg, I mentioned Ride, you know, with the short reports, uh, you know, as someone who's involved in the ETF space, always watching the market Do you pay any attention to these short reports, you know, read through them? Or is this just, you know, a a normal market activity that, you know, is just ongoing?
2: So I, I don't pay attention to them. I don't read through them except to the point where one of the other ETFs we launched, for example, FOMO, we do have a short squeeze basket in there. So what we are looking for is we're looking for stocks with high short interest. But, and and this is an important but, we're looking for some sort of fan base. You know, just the fact that, you know, DraftKings might have a high short interest, that's not going to do it. What we also need is there's got to be some sort of fan base, whether that's love from the retail investor, love from hedge funds, love from insiders. There's got to be something there. So from that standpoint, yeah, that's something we look at because, you know, short interest is rocket fuel. If I can find a match, you know, then you've got, you know, an AMC, a GameStop, you know, all those fun names.
1: You mentioned uh, a rebalancing recently uh, being completed for these two new ETFs. Uh, is that a set date each month? Is it based on a, a calendar date or a certain uh, day of the month uh, for the rebalancing?
2: Yeah, it's, it's second Friday, market on close.
1: Okay, Perfect. And then will those uh, updates and the new holdings, will that be issued in press releases then? Or can investors, you know, just look at the holdings on the
2: site? Yeah, no, the holdings on the site are updated on a daily basis. Typically, that's 9 a.m., give or take, uh, you know, a few minutes either way. And I mean, it's an ETF. It's totally transparent. And, you know, so they should be updated daily everywhere you look. So you know, no need for a press release. You can see it. And, you know, for people who have Bloomberg, the index is up there. And unlike a lot of indexes, we make the holdings public there as well. So a lot of transparency here.
1: And then one more question from me on the two new ETFs, and then I'm going to turn it over to, to Mitch on some of these holdings. Uh, when we spoke on the phone, Matt, you had mentioned a catalyst for some of these despac companies being uh, inclusion in future Russell indexes, we did get you know the, the early report on uh, what companies will be added to the Russell indexes. Any surprises out there? Uh, anything jump out uh, in the names in the twenty five holdings as far as the Russell indexes go?
2: No. So one of the big kind of investment theses we had in on the long side was we wanted to choose names that weren't in any Russell index and you know and we knew or we hoped that 60 plus percent of our names would get added and it turned out to be a lot more than that so yeah we were pleasantly surprised i think it was 23 out of 25 of our names are going in and you know that's one of the big reasons why you've seen DSPC i mean it's been out for less than a month at this point, and it's already up close to 20%. And I got to figure a good chunk of that is, is the Russell
0: rebound. All right, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here. Let's go ahead and let's talk a little bit about some of my favorite holdings that you got in the DSPC. So one of the first ones I'd like to talk about is DM. And really what I want to talk about is kind of more 3D in general. How's your feelings on 3D? Do you think this is kind of more of something that we're going to see kind of adopted in the next couple of years? Or do you see it kind of being adopted even as close as this year?
2: And and it's really both. I I mean, if you look at 3D, you know, there's a whole bunch of things that if you look at them, you're like, you know, hey, that's the future. 3D printing is one. Electronic vehicles is another. And so that's stuff that we want to have access to, you know, in this fund, we want to you know, there's a lot of different things here on the long side you know one is the fact that you know again it's it's names that you don't own and two is it's a bunch of really innovative industries so yeah I mean we see 3D printing is is that's the future
0: and so that's why we like to have a name like that in the portfolio Excellent, excellent. One of the things I did see was them moving even into dental and and, and all over the place. So this is going to be interesting. Next one I want to get into is... More on on kind of like data, you know, we had that DKNG, we could talk sports gambling, but I wanted to focus on one that's down here about four, uh, just under 4%. Genie, Genie Sports recently has had some offerings. I think this is a good thing for the business as they look to use some of that money. We've been seeing them get partnerships. How are you thinking in the sports data kind of business? How how do you think Genius is, is holding up here?
2: No, I, I mean, we, we think it's been holding up great. And again, it just goes to provide a lot of diversification to the portfolio. You know, we don't want something that's, you know, all in electronic vehicles. We want a lot of different industries. Uh, so, you know, again, another name that, that fits in perfectly and, you know, something that you're not going to have in your traditional portfolio.
0: Excellent. And while we're on trends, the last one I want to bring up is open. And really, this is a question and I'd I'd have to ask you, Matthew, on on what your opinion is. Um, What are you thinking about kind of realtors? Do you feel like the transition to kind of digital is really going to slowly kind of take their job away? And this is one of the biggest reasons why we're also seeing open kind of taking advantage here. What are you thinking about the business here of, of open technologies?
2: I mean, I think they're perfectly positioned. I, you know, I think realtors are, are a dino, You know, the way that business is run, it's it's a dinosaur, and technology is going to completely and totally change it. So, you know, again, another diversified name that we really like in the portfolio.
1: Awesome. I'm going to jump back in here. Matt, let's let's turn it over a little bit to um, SPCX. Uh, you know, so the first SPAC ETF that Tuttle Capital launched, you know, over 100 uh, holdings in this ETF um, you had said before, you know, looking to buy strong quality management teams along with buying under that $10 level. You know, what are the important uh, things, you know, uh, probably those two I just said, going into making the selections for the holdings in this ETF?
2: So we, we've changed, you know, how we do things quite a bit since the heights of the market. You know, if we were talking back in February, you know, it would all be about getting into IPOs, get as many IPOs. Again, strong management teams, solid track records getting in on IPOs. Now, obviously, the SPAC market has changed. So what we're looking at is is a couple of things. I mean, obvious strong management teams, strong track record. And the beauty now of this generation of the SPAC market being out now for more than a year is you've got a lot of serial issuers. So, you know, you can really get a sense of track record because, yeah, I mean, there are too many SPACs chasing too few deals And I think it's going to end up like, you know, private equity, venture capital, the best deals go to the best management teams and the weaker teams are left with scraps. So, you know, that's number one. And then number two is getting this stuff under 10. And, you know, I saw a statistic today from one of our brokers. I don't know if it's true, but it makes sense that of all the the SPACs that are out, pre-merger SPACs that are out there right now, only ten percent are trading above cash and trust, so we're seeing a lot of great opportunities to get these good spacs under ten. The other stuff we're doing, we're participating in founder shares deals because the the risk reward and the economics of that makes a ton of sense. And something new, you know, because now the pipes have had so much trouble, and you know the traditional pipe buyers are you know, are kind of locked up in a lot of deals is we're participating in pipe transactions, which gives us really access to the three layers of making money in SPACs, which all have kind of different risk rewards to them. So, you know, that's what we've been doing. I think that, you know, the SPAC market looks like it it hit a bottom a little while ago and and things are going, uh, you know, so far so good in in a nice direction.
1: Awesome. You know, so I look through the holdings of SPCX and of course, you know, uh, a couple notable names that are not in there. We have PSTH from Bill Ackman, and then uh, Chamath. I do not see IPOD, only IPOF. You know, is this a decision just strictly based on the the valuation and these specs trading? You know, so high above that IPO price, and you know, not necessarily a reflection uh, of the manager here.
2: Yeah, not a reflection of the manager at all, you know, purely based on valuation. We've never owned Pershing Square. I mean, when the fund first came out, I don't remember what it was, but it was some ridiculous price. It never kind of made it into our zone of where we would buy it. We've owned, you know, Chamath's stuff off and on. You know, I know we've ended up selling most of what we had, you know, at, at nice profits. But yeah, I mean, at this point, if I can buy good management teams under 10, you know, it would have to be an amazingly compelling situation to get us to buy something above cash and trust.
1: Would that be the same then for uh, Chamas new biotech specs that are being launched? You know, if these, if these happen to trade under 10, um, you know, you would look at them, but otherwise, you know, just passing based on the, the valuation?
2: So, yeah, I mean, those we're going to take a look at and, you know, get it it, as much of a sense as we can on what the IPO looks like, because, you know, they arch them off, maybe they'd be a pop. So if I can get them at the IPO price and they pop, you know, that could be interesting. Um, What we've seen on most of the IPOs coming around lately is you don't buy them on the IPO because their first price is under cash and trust. So if it's something you want, you don't get it. This may be a little bit different just because of who this is. So we'll take a serious look at it, but it's not the type of thing where if we don't get it on the IPO and it, it's trading well over trust in the secondary, probably be something we would stay away from.
1: And then, you know, there are several uh, SPAC ETFs already out there. So you kind of have, you know, the beginning point and the end point with, you know, companies that haven't announced the deals or haven't completed the merger. And then you have, you know, the D-SPAC ETFs. There are, you know, some ETFs that combine those two, Um, you know, give us your thoughts on, you know, what SPAC ETFs should look like. And, you know, without getting too negative here, how you feel against some of the competition out there.
2: Well, so, I mean, without naming names, I don't think these are things that should be combined in one product. They are entirely different animals. You know, a pre-merger SPAC is is something, you know, pre-merger SPACs are something I think everybody should own. It's an asset class in and of itself. It's something that's not correlated with anything else you've got in your portfolio, And, you know, especially if you can get this stuff for under 10, you've got to yield to maturity there. So pre-merger SPACs are something everyone should own. A de-SPAC company, you know, that's going to behave totally differently than a pre-merger SPAC. It's going to have a ton more volatility and there's going to be a lot more correlation there with with stocks. So, you know, that's something that each individual investor has got to make a decision. Am I willing to tolerate the volatility of owning the Clovers, the, the Rides, you know, the Quantum Scapes, the Nicolas? And if so, how much of that should I have in my portfolio? You know, and everyone, that decision is going to be different. So, you know, that area of the market, that's not for everybody. Pre-merger SPACs are. So I, you know, the reason why we wanted to have them in two separate products is I want you to be able to decide, you know, hey, I'm more conservative. I'm going to have more in the pre-merger SPACs and maybe nothing in the D-SPACs or, you know what, I'm really aggressive. I want a lot of D-SPACs and maybe very little pre-merger SPACs.
1: Perfect. And then before we get to uh, a couple of questions from the chat here, have to uh, give you a shout out. I saw that you recently you know, rang the bell at close um, you know, with the issuance of these two new ETFs. What was that experience like um, you know, to be able to go there and uh, be part of that activity?
2: Yeah, I mean, it was great. The New York Stock Exchange is the New York Stock Exchange. It, it never gets old. And what was cool is there's a, uh, there's a Twitter group that tweets about SPACs. We were able, they, they limit our guests because of COVID, but we were able to invite a couple of those guys too. So, I mean, that was a lot of fun. Uh, one of them actually rang the bell at like 4.02 when he wasn't supposed to. So we may never get invited back, but I mean, we, we made history. I, I don't think the closing bell has ever been rang twice. So, you know, we, we like being, uh, you know, at the forefront of stuff.
1: You know, I did see that on Twitter from that uh, particular person. Ringing the bell twice sounds like a big no-no. Um, but yes, as you said, you, you definitely made history uh, with that. So uh, Matt, we're going to turn to the chat a minute here. We do have some questions uh, from the team. Um, first up here from Brad, um, I would guess that this is based on those two new uh, SPAC ETFs. Do you expect to have options available to trade on these ETFs?
2: Yes, we expect to have options available. I believe there are already options on DSPC. Um, Sogu, because it is considered an actively managed fund, even though it's based on an index, I believe we've got to get to a certain asset level there. But given that DSPC is an index, I believe there are actually options trading on that right now. And
1: then also from Brad um, asking, do you plan to pay regular dividends um, on these ETFs?
2: So, uh, SOGU would be just, you know, end of the year capital gains. DSPC is interesting because one of the other things we're doing, I mean, like I said, 19 of our names, you know, have 10% or above short interest. So we're actively engaged in lending these names and, really do plan on generating a lot of income from that. So that's going to pay a quarterly dividend. And I mean, obviously the names, I mean, these aren't companies that pay dividends. So that'll be purely from securities lending interest.
1: And then just one last question here, AJ asking, how often is the portfolio rebalanced? We talked about the DSpac ETFs being rebalanced every month. SPCX, uh, is that one that is rebalanced quarterly? Is that correct?
2: No, SPCX is actively managed.
1: Active so, too. so okay.
2: You know, we're looking at that on a daily basis. Um, I can tell you, you know, back in February we were doing a lot every single day. Lately, not so much. You know, not not as much to do. You know, more looking at you know specific situations, but we're not nearly as active as we were but we will be as active as we need to be in that ETF.
1: Perfect. Well, I think that's going to do it for our questions. And again, those great questions from our viewers out there. So joining us on the show today, Matthew Tuttle, the CEO and Chief Investment Officer of uh, Tuttle Tactical Management. Um, You know, again, three SPAC ETFs. We have SPCX, uh, pre-deal announced SPACs. And then we have DSPC and SOGU, the d spac ETFs that were recently launched. Thanks, Matt, for joining us once again on SPACs Attack. We look forward to uh, following the progress here.
2: All right. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you. All right, guys. Well, you heard it here, you know, d spac right? You you hear mentioned. I talk all the time, you know, about the, the valuation periods, right, and you know, how these SPACs, you know, how they're valued uh, pre-deal, how they're valued on deal announcement, and then going into that vote and that move, you know, after the vote, whether it's up or down. And, and here you have, you know, a way maybe to, to play this. Rather than picking individual names, you've got a basket of 25 of the largest companies that went public via SPAC. And Mitch, the thing I like about it, you know, is that it, it changes monthly, and after a year, those companies are kicked out, right? So you don't have DraftKings in here. You don't have Virgin Galactic in here. You've got companies, you know, that recently completed those SPAC mergers. And maybe the market's not valuating, you know, fully their growth in there.
0: What do you think? Yeah, it's something you got to take a look at. This is uh, DSPC here, guys, the DSPAC ETF. One of the things that I'm going to see is we're going to get waves, right? And so one of the things is if you really start learning and and try to you know stay neutral here and I think there's a there's a way of you making money now on the plus side and the pullbacks. So one of the things that I'm going to be looking at is if I can build a portfolio let's say of what I think are winners and maybe use this ETF to go ahead and hedge and give myself an ability to manage that risk. I think this is a great way to to maybe go ahead and, and, and hedge it. You have to go ahead and do some calculations to really kind of figure out how exactly how many shares you kind of need to kind of help yourself hedge here. But definitely a, a way to start looking at it and maybe playing both both ways, Chris. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh,
1: again, there's lots of SPAC ETFs out there. Uh, you know, I like that the, the two offerings here, you know, you've got the pre-deal and you've got the post-deal. You don't really have the the in-between. So really, it gives you a chance, you know, to do more of a peer play. Um, you know, my, myself, I like picking the individual names. But again, for people, you know, who like ETFs, I think these are perfect baskets out there. Um, you know, for investors to look at. So another great interview here on SPACs attack, you know, we don't just bring the CEOs of publicly traded companies, we try to get some of the industry leaders, we've had several, you know, of the ETF companies on here, and also some industry leaders, um, you know, to talk the uh, SPAC industry, let us know who you want to see on the show next, whether it's the CEO of a company or, you know, someone like Matt Tuttle, who's got ETFs and knows the SPAC industry. So Mitch, what are you, what are you watching out there? Should we dive into um, the watch list and what's moving? Maybe peek at uh, DraftKings here?
0: Yeah, we'll take a peek in a second. I wanted to talk a little bit about one that I was even thinking about buying puts today, um, but I've never really bought a SPAC put. Um, Just a little part of me, I guess, is just a a bull in the SPAC industry. So it's kind of hard for me to bet on the downside of stocks. but I felt like today was that day to at least take down the Nicola Dragon. We've been seeing this one been moving up significantly recently. Um, it has been pushing on up there. Got up there almost to 20. And when I saw that rejection yesterday of trying to get above 18, that already gave me a sign right here, guys. That Harmy candle showing you potential reversal and an attempt to get back towards the high and it couldn't even get up there, guys. Strong reversal today when it broke down through kind of the $16 level. I think it's definitely looking interesting now. If I could get a bounce back Closer to like sixteen fifty, you could take a short there. I think this one could come back all the way back down towards ten dollars. So that's why I was thinking about taking the, uh, a chance on this one, even on yeah, the put side. I was gonna say,
1: I mean, I, I think it hits twelve dollars. Um, you know, I anyone who's watched the show for some time knows that uh Nicola hasn't been one of my favorites. I was surprised to see this one go higher again, but you know, a lot of that had to do with the short interest um you know so i was actually considering buying puts before um but the short squeeze possibility scared me away um because i didn't want to be caught up there but yeah i i think this one uh falls falls down so um
0: we'll see another one pulling back the one that uh went up for a certain amount of time now now i could see it pulling back a significant amount is mile mile went up there all the way up there past 12 You guys remember I was calling this one out back when it was near the sevens. This one did push it back up. But now I really do think this one's heading right back down towards that 52-week low. So just be careful on this one. This one's at 9.14 and dropping fast. Another one that it did pull back yesterday, but I did see a catalyst that I thought would potentially get it back up was LEV. But we're on a definitely a significant pullback in these electronics and kind of EV in general. So just be careful out there, guys. One of the things I did see today is that you did see a strong pullback in kind of those growth names that were making a move up. One of the things that I saw yesterday was bigger growth names getting some some love. So pay attention to that. See if you see a rotation, a continued rotation. And with that being said, the pattern, the pattern, Chris, I think it's gone, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately, you know. I think it's gone, man. I had to get out of some today. I, I got out of FRX, got out of FTOC, and and then you can see it today. Some of these are just starting to come back down. Bark really cracking. Uh, some of these other ones really starting to crack. I think you got to just pay attention to see what happens because one of the things is we're going to see these patterns. But the question is, how long do they last? In this case, it looks like FRX coming right back down towards ten ten. I think it just you know just didn't last there. Gave you a shot. For sure, but didn't last.
1: Yeah, and I think we see some of them, you know, drop below ten um in that vote time now. But you know, the the interesting thing will be to pick some of the individual winners. Um, you know, maybe they drop a little bit and then, you know, a couple of weeks later they they rip. You know, we saw that with uh, you know, desktop metal and some of the other, you know, big winners, right? They did sell off on the vote, but if you were able to time your entry. You know, you, you've been rewarded over the long term. You know, uh, we have Proterra changing tickers today to PTRA. Um, that one's dipping. I, I do own shares of that one. I, I think that's a short term dip. I think this one, you know, remains strong. Uh, you know, it's an electric bus maker. It does have some catalysts coming. I think they land some new deals. Um, but this is one kind of like SoFi. I really thought it would rip a little bit, you know, on that vote. But as Mitch said, you know, that pattern starting to go away. The, the other thing with the pattern, right, is we do have a ton of votes this month. So maybe, you know, the, the pattern just maybe we can't keep up. And, you know, only one of these stocks each week is, is going to uh, go higher. So yeah. maybe it's a, a stock pickers market out there.
0: I think they just rushed to it, bro. You started seeing everybody just being like, okay, I want to jump on the merger vote date yeah. vote. Let me jump on that right now. Um, and, and that's and what they're happens, selling guys. quick. They're selling quick. Oversupply. So, yeah. Oversupply, Chris. We got oversupply started hitting again. And that's what happens, guys. Supply, demand. There's only enough demand for a certain amount of supply. And I think this is what happened here. You started seeing, I mean, I was even going out like a week or two forward and I started seeing it they were already picking them up they were mm-hmm. already picking them up chris and so i think this is what happened i think it got to the point where the pattern was shown and what ended up happening is people started looking down the list and then just taking some before they even got close to their date so that by the time they got close to their date they were selling into the news versus uh, kind of that by the rumor kind of thing. And so this this happens with patterns and this is why you got to stay on it. And that's why I always say that the story can change. I think here the story's just changed. All right, so now we're going to be seeing if we get some bigger pullbacks. I'll definitely be watching to see if we get some bigger pullbacks today. Uh, some of the, on the downside, also Playboy skills, skills, man. I thought that one was really starting to get going, but it's looking like it's cracking back down. And this, this one's concerning to me because I think, you know, so much hype in this one and it just doesn't get going. I think it could break down significantly from here. It's already at 18s, uh, broke through the 20 strong. Man, it just it, it sucks to see this because, you know, I, I do know some people that are in this one. And, you know, I don't want anyone losing money. But at the end of the day, I do see kind of that downturn in that one. It had a lot of hype. It's going to need to hold kind of that opening in the 17th of December. I'll show that really quickly. But definitely this is the chart here on the right-hand side. Let's see if it holds that on the pullback. But we'll keep watching these as we see some of these make big pullbacks today.
1: And just a programming note before we get out of here. Uh, On the show tomorrow, we do have the CEO of EVGO. Company is merging uh, with CLII. You know, I'm excited for this interview, Mitch. We've been talking charging infrastructure, you know, the thing behind the thing for electric vehicles for, you know, quite a while, probably dating back to our, our very first show. Um, you know, so let's dive in, right? And we can hear about, you know, that demand for charging infrastructure and, you know, talk about maybe some of their partners and how they're playing, you know, the EV market going forward. You know, that's a SPAC. It looks like it's at a 1350 today. Um, you know, but this is one that was as high as uh $24 back on deal announcement. So, you know, there could be a makeup trade coming for this one. Um, but time will tell, but excited for that interview tomorrow. Uh, so make sure to, uh, tune in tomorrow's Spax attack.
0: Definitely guys, like always, we'll keep going at it. Keep giving you guys the brand new interviews, interviews at specs that you probably never heard of. So definitely stay with here. Stay on Spax attack guys up next. You got power hour. Stay tuned guys always an action-packed show on Power Hour. You guys know what to do. Hit the like, hit the subscribe below, hit that bell so you get notified the moment that we go live. And like always, guys, we'll see you next time on the SPACs Attack.